On this episode of Resi Week, we talk about positioning automation partners, a plumber's RMR, and a rapid improvement plan for your business. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 156, More Abilities. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Crestron. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matty Scott, for avnation.tv. And today I'm pleased to be joined by one of my longtime friends, Jeremy Glowacki. He is the executive editor of Residential Tech Today. How are you, sir? Doing well today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I was just in your your lovely town there. I saw and, that. Yeah. Sorry, we, we couldn't connect, but I know uh, you're busy. My schedule was a mess, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but such is life. Then we have my a good friend, Tim Albright. He's the founder of avnation.tv. How are you, sir? I am well, sir. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm pleasantly awaiting the snowfall that is not falling. But what are you going to do? Jimmy and I in the Midwest are waiting on Jimmy's in ND. I'm in St. Louis waiting on, you know, our first negative temperatures of the year, so. Oh, Indy had them last week. Did he? Okay. It it was stinking cold. But with that fun intro about weather, let's jump right into our first story today. This comes to us from Residential Systems and one of my good pals, Todd Anthony Puma, how they position their automation partners to their clients. If you've been following uh, this lovely... uh, series of posts. Uh, Todd has got together with one of his uh, business partners, Mark Feinberg, and they've wrote about their respective automation partners, Control4 for Mark and Crestron for Todd, and talked about why they are the right choice for both them and their business, but also, and arguably more importantly, for their customers in their businesses. They go through quite a number of really good points. And uh, Jeremy, let's start with you on this one. One of the things I liked about this was it it didn't get into the nitty gritty, which is what we as integrators always seem to do when we start talking about our favorite, put whatever you want to put in, in that blank. Um, Specifically with automation, I have seen really good friends go toe to toe over their automation platform uh, more so than any other product out there. When you're looking at, you know, your, your automation platforms and you're trying to talk to your client about that. Where is the, where's the key there? Is it just to talk positivity uh, about that platform and just make sure that no matter what happens, you don't ever talk negative about another vendor. uh, Even when the, you know, your, your client may bring that up. Uh, I think the biggest challenge right now is um, not this automation provider versus that automation provider, but just why an automation provider at all. Um, And I'm not saying that I agree with that sensibility because I'm from this industry and I think that automation systems are awesome, but general consumers are probably, you know, so IOT, you know, um, overload with what they read and what they see in the, you know, local Home Depot, Lowe's, whatever it is, you know, somewhat, simple little systems that they think that's the way that their home should go and if they don't 
they don't have the the capability, especially in a larger home, to really pull that off. So I think the features that are listed, you know, this brand versus that brand, they all kind of match up pretty well. Um, so I think it's really just it's about um, the reliability. It's about the interoperability between systems. It's about not having to jump from one app to another. Um, all the things that he's listing here are features of why why an automation system, not why Prestron versus Control 4 or Savant, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I think that uh, he makes a really good case for the, the features of, of an automation system. Um, and I, I think that, you know, certain parts are obviously going to, you know, stand out better than others. Like the user um, control, the aspect of being able to make changes yourself as the end user after the system is in place. I think that for a long time was just a, a troublesome aspect of, of an automation system. It was so locked down with programming, any little tweak would have to require a call to the, to the integrator. Now you're getting a little bit away from that. I think that that's, that's a big, big plus with these automation systems. They're not so locked down anymore. They're locked down enough where you can't really screw them up, but you, you know, you still have the flexibility to make adjustments to your lighting control, um, you know, your scenes and um, channel guide and things like that. So I think that's where you get into conversations with certain consumers. Like, you know, what you used to hear about these things, it's not all true anymore. And we also have been doing this a long time. Our partner is, very you know in tune with um you know answering our calls blah 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 the things that a good dealer is going to have with their manufacturer i think those are good keys to to selling an automation system very good tim when you a listen to what jeremy said coming back to a couple of those things like scalability and interoperability and flexibility and more abilities than we can think of um is it really those feature sets that uh, appeal to the end user? Is it one specific one that's more important than the other? Or is it really a, a question for the dealer and how the dealer presents themselves and then the products that they use? It, it, it does, does the automation platform really matter that much in the, in the end? Uh, you asked like three or four questions, so I'm going to try to take them in order. Um, number one, I, I think that um, the client cares about the aesthetics. You're talking about residential here, right? Um, one thing that Rich Fragoza has tried to talk, teach me for years is selling automation in resi is so much more difficult than selling it in commercial. Um, because in residential, you are on par with the interior decorator or you're, you're connected with, with the interior decorator because those touch panels, especially the graphical, uh, the graphical user interface or the GUI ones, um, can be customized so much that they then impact the look and feel of the interior decor. So you've got all of that going on. So they care about what it looks like and the fact that it works and it just works. And, and hundreds of, of guests on this program have said that a thousand times. It just has to work. So it just has to work. So it has to be stable. Let's talk about that for a second. The, the system itself, the underlying feature sets of, of the processor that, you know, takes the ins and outs has got to be stable. If it's not, if it's constantly crashing or constantly needing updated, then it's going to be ripped out really, really quickly. Uh, I think the flexibility is becoming increasingly important. We saw that with control Four adding the, their when then 
feature that allowed customers, the actual end users, the, the homeowners, to adjust schedules and adjust certain automation uh, processes. Um, that was a year ago, a year and a half ago at, at CDA 2017. That gives the, the client, the homeowner, a little bit more flexibility and the ability to adjust things. So as Jeremy said, you don't have to call a tech, you don't have to call a programmer back out. Very good. Let's move on to our next story of the day. This is from CE Pro and RMR. Uh, service plan success story, believe it or not, in plumbing. Uh, Jason Knott interviewed a San Diego HVAC and plumbing company that's charging a $20 a month VIP Advantage member program for its clients. I honestly can say that I did not expect to see this when it came across my feed. Uh, RMR and plumbing is not something that I've ever really looked to and said, ooh, that's what I want to you know, focus and, and model my custom integration firm on is uh, plumbing. But needless to say, this firm uh, in San Diego has figured it out. Their clients pay, their clients pay $19.90 a month for an annual plumbing, heating, and air conditioning membership. What this gives them is safety peace of mind through annual tune-ups and inspections, savings on everyday plumbing, no emergency service fees, priority service, and it's transferable. So this really, once I read it and once I, I wrapped my head around it, it really caught my eye. Tim, I want to come back and start with you on this one. <laughs> We've been saying that we need RMR in this industry for years. We've been told to model the security industry. That's kind of sucked. We've been told to model the IT company. We've been kind of terrible at doing that. It, it hasn't worked very well. When I read this lovely uh, story from, from Jason here, what really stuck out to me is this is a really simple program. There's next to nothing in this. It's pretty basic. It gives them a quick little, hey, you need a new furnace filter. Hey, we're going to send somebody out and check your AC. It's not overly complicated. Is this what we've been missing so long in this industry? A RMR plan that's just simple? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> and here's the thing, and this is going to be a somewhat pessimistic. This is simple, right? It's simple and it works. And we're going to suck at doing this one too. Um, simply because I think the, that there's a, a good percentage of, not the vast majority, but a good percentage of folks who still don't have wrapped around their heads what recurring, you know, recurring revenue is and, and how to sell it. And that's, that's really the key here. Um, you're, you're selling peace of mind. You're selling VIP access. You're selling, you know, um, if you've ever been to Disney or any other theme park, you're selling line jumper access, right? To where you, you, you guarantee that X, Y, and Z is going to happen when the client uh, picks up the phone and says, you know, Hey, something's wrong. Um, but the other part of that is you're, you're also selling the peace of mind that if something's wrong, you as the integrator, you as the, as the resi dealer are going to know about it before they are. And that goes back to some monitoring and, and network um, uh, access. I, I'm a big believer in, I don't care whose you use, I really don't. I'm a big believer in making sure that you as the dealer, the, folk, the folks who actually put the stuff in and you know, commission the system, you understand what's going on on that system and you're alerted before they are, hopefully, and you're able to fix it before they are, before they ever know anything wrong. Um, there's several systems out there that that do that. 
Um, it's, you know, some of them are subscription based. Some of them are, are based on hardware. Depends on where you are and, and who you're a dealer for. But I'm a big fan of that because then you really have something to sell them. You can say, look, you know, here's, you know, client X, Y, and Z that I've, I've been able to, you know, solve a problem before they ever let me know, um, before they ever knew I was able to say, Hey, you know, Jeremy, your, your system was offline. We, we were able to reset it. Uh, and, and you should be back, you know, you should be back to going stuff like that goes a long way in, in making it feel better at the end of the month when, when you see that charge. Jeremy, I, I, I love what Tim's saying, but I think that's the reason right there why we continually get this wrong for $20 a month. We cannot manage even the paperwork of running, you know, a, a biannual site visit to, to check stuff out uh, and keeping on top of everything from a remote management standpoint. Is it a, is it a two-tier approach that we need to look at? Is this one of those things that we're just going to continue to suffer with until Verizon or someone else outside of our industry comes in and, and takes it over from us. I, I think that the third party um, organizations that have cropped up, one vision resources is one of them. Uh, the other one is uh, um, the symbol is an umbrella. What is it called? Uh, Parasol. Mm -hmm. uh, those companies, I think those are the key and others like them um, where you have a triage kind of operation that is monitoring the system. They go through that first level um, of, of, you know, client engagement system monitoring, that sort of thing. So you can just sort of offload that until it gets to the need of you running a truck out there. Um, I think that's, that's really where the key is. A, a lot of the pushback also that I've heard from companies about not doing um, service plans is that our clients spend so much money on this system. It's so hard for us to then go, Hey, it's going to break this thing that you just spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on is going to break. And as much as there's such a great pushback of like, how many electronics do you know that don't, you know, hold up? How many times has your, your network crashed, even in the office, things like that. You know, it's, there's, there, there are going to be reboot needs of, you know, network based systems. So making that case is pretty simple. You're right at managing it as a, as a more difficult part. I think what's different from a plumbing company by the way, HVAC and plumbing together is really interesting to me because I've never heard of those as a blend. Really? But, oh, really? That, I haven't. Well, that's, that's normal. Up here. That's a normal thing? Okay. Oh, yeah. So, um, but I think the difference with that is that it, it, it's a lot of um, break, fix kind of sensibility. People don't think about their plumbing until they need to get it fixed, until, you know, they've got a clogged drain, they've got a leak. Um, HVAC, your system isn't cooling or heating. Um, there's, there's a different, and as soon as you go through that, someone says, Hey, we, we can put you on a service plan. So you don't ever have to go without heat again. We're going to be right out there. Like, you know, immediately. Cause, cause you, you know, have the special uh, setup. Um, I have an irrigation company that's selling annual service contracts. Now um, they're charging $39 a month. So that's a lot of money for something that you use for three months, you know? Um, I didn't sign up for it, by the way. I'll take my chances on doing the repair myself. But uh, I, I just think that those industries are a little different than, than the electronics business where, yeah, your, your network can go down any day of the week. 
Um, you're not going to have plumbing leaks um, that often, I wouldn't imagine. You're not going to have HVAC is issues that often. Um, but it's, it's that one time a year, or maybe not even, one time every three to five years that you want to have that peace of mind, I suppose. So I think our industry is a lot different, but I do think there are options with those third-party companies. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to our next story of the day. It's kind of comical that you mentioned Parasol because one of their uh, co-founders is Henry Clifford, who's a good friend of mine out of uh, Virginia and his company Livewire. He, he's one of the, the founding members of Parasol. And he wrote this next article, which is on residential systems. Big improvement plan, or sorry, the rapid improvement plan doing the job right the first time. Uh, essentially, if you've been following Henry, he's, he's A, been a great writer for, for quite a long time. And this is a follow-up on a story that he first started back in October uh, when he was beginning to look at ways to eliminate uh, you know, the, those quick runbacks to a job to finish up something that you probably should have done right the first time. They went through a bunch of their, uh, you know, daily trips and, and what their people in the field were doing and discovered that they were taking a ton of trips to places like Lowe's and Home Depot to pick up something that they probably should have had in the truck in the first place. So they went back, started uh, a really good thing. If you haven't read about his RIP rapid improvement plan, go back and check that out. The link will be in the story. Long and short, when they were looking back at Q1 in 2018, they found that they spent 280 man hours going back to fix jobs that should have been done right the first time. When they look at the way they value their their hours, et cetera, it, it means that they lost thirty two thousand dollars in the first three months. Let me say that again. That's thirty two thousand dollars in the first quarter of twenty eighteen. In most of our states, provinces, countries, et cetera, that's a tech for a year. That's an entry level tech for a year. They spent in a truck going to Lowe's or Home Depot. Um, but I like Home Depot a little more, so I said Lowe's. We're not getting sponsored by Lowe's. <laughs> uh, more importantly, that means that over uh, the course of a year, they're losing $120,000 that they should have been able, and, and hopefully uh, that would have been billable time. That's a huge loss. So as he went through this, uh, he found a couple of things, and they were greatly able to reduce that and uh, get more than a 20% savings on that, uh, getting it uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of, they, they saved 140 hours uh, at the end of the quarter by that, uh, is the goal that they're going for. So Jeremy, I wanna come back and start with you on this. This is a huge, let's be honest, this is a huge loss. This is a lot that is going to have to be, you know, knocked off the bottom line for Henry's company. But this is not a problem that's specific to Henry. This is something that I can guarantee you every one of our co companies has. My company has this problem. Is there an issue within our industry where most business owners do not take the time to review this kind of medial data to determine where they're losing money? Is this something that is just you know, something that happens to Henry, or is this something that is widespread rampant across the board 
where we don't really know what's going on in our businesses on a day-to-day basis? I think that it's probably more common than, you know, than most companies would like to acknowledge. I don't have obviously any specific data, but it's very common to hear folks who don't even have weekly meetings with their teams, for instance, their management teams. That's kind of a a new thing. You know, you go to a buying group meeting and they, they talk about these management styles where you do these meetings and, um, it seems pretty pretty basic to me that you would want to do that, but I think with the 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 flow of, of jobs that we deal with, especially when times are good, like right now with the economy, there um, there's so much work, so much you know rushing to the job. You know, no one actually comes into the to the home base; they go straight to the job in the morning. You know, if they're on a an integration crew. Um, so the fact that there wouldn't be a process or a policy for coming back and doing inventory on a truck or a van, um, I could see that being probably fairly likely that that, that could happen. That could get backed up on a company. Um, and, and there's really no time just to stop and assess and work on the business and figure out a way that the crews have to come in and, and do inventory management, go to... Lowe's and pick up what they need once a week for whatever it is and make sure that they have more than they're going to need so that they're never short. Um, there's probably just a lot of companies that just haven't stopped long enough to really assess and to fix problems. So yeah, unfortunately it's a lot of money being lost, I'm sure throughout the industry. Tim, uh, Jeremy had a fantastic point there. We don't take the time to stop and work on the business. Um, I had this conversation last week at, at some meetings I was at, that that is one of the big differences that I've always seen in residential versus commercial. And again, this is not a blanket statement across the board. There's not a single resi business uh, or, or a residential integrator that knows how to work on his business. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm, what I'm posturing is that this is the trend that I've seen. You've kind of followed and, and reported uh, worked in both industries from the media standpoint now for four or five years. How do integrators in the residential space who are normally, let's, let's kind of be fair, may not be the best at working on their business. How do they learn to do that? How do they learn to invest the time required in their business to grow and be profitable going forward, not just how to go find the next job. How do you look beyond that? You, you have to show them the value, right? You have to show them how that helps their bottom line um, because a, a good percentage of dealers, both resident and commercial, honestly, um, could, be, could be placed in the small to medium-sized business uh, arena, right? And a lot of those folks, when you are looking at paying five or, or 10 uh, salaries, um, you have to look for the next job. Uh, a lot of times the, the owner is also the, the chief salesperson, uh, the head of sales, or there is some, some sort of business development where they're constantly trying to churn up and so they don't, they don't see the value in sitting down once a week or once a month and strategizing and actually working on the business. You have to show them that value. Uh, and for that, I, I look at conferences and, and resources. I look at stuff like NSCA's BLC, um, which is if you're a member of NSCA, a couple of weeks I'm going to be uh, hanging out with the folks at PSNI. They're getting another group of, of 
folks who, who get together and talk about the business. Uh, Cedia uh, had the business exchange, right? We were actually able to sit down and talk about not technology, right? Not, you know, the latest whiz bang, IOT, this, that, and the other. How do you hire people, right? How do you, how do you fire people? How do you uh, make sure that your employees are progressing in their, in their career? Um, how do you deal with, you know, cash flow and, and, you know, how do you drum up new business? Um, not drumming up the new business, but how do you do it? Right. And how do you, you know, do things like, you know, social media and other stuff like that. I think it's incredibly valuable, but I think you need to really illustrate to them how that impacts their bottom line. Uh, otherwise they're not going to see the, the, the return on investment and they're not going to spend the money nor the time. So who's the one who, who is the, you have to show them person. How do they figure that out? Because yeah, there's trade associations. Yeah, there's buying groups. Yeah, there's all this other stuff. What do you do for the integrator who doesn't have a really close relationship for someone or, or more, I guess the better question is, what would you recommend to the integrator who's listening or watching this, who doesn't know where to go, who doesn't know where to get that, that business acumen? Because if this is really hitting home for them, they don't have it. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so no, it's a, it's a good question. Um, uh, slight bit of, of self-promotion because we've got a show that uh, our, our AV profession that talks about the business of AV. Um, the folks at Navigate have helped us with that as well as where we interview um, business leaders. Um, Jeremy has written about it. You know, other uh, magazines have written about some, some, you know, really good business practices. Look at folks like Vern Harnish. Right, uh, Vern Harnish is a is an entrepreneur and a guy that looks at the analytics of business, and and, and he's done a study. Uh, his, his latest book is is scaling up, where he looks at the most uh, profitable uh, businesses of the last fifty or, or sixty years, and, and kind of dissects what made them profitable. Um, one of one of my ben, business mentors, um, guy owns an integration firm here in St. Louis has said to me, he goes, if you're not spending between at least 30 minutes a day reading um, and improving yourself on your business, then what you're doing is a hobby. Understand that. What you're doing is a hobby. If you're not improving yourself and not improving your business, not your technical acumen, not, but working on your business uh, at least 30 minutes a day, it's a hobby. And I, it, it took me a long time to understand that and realize that. And, and we're a small business here. I mean, it's, you know, um, and so I spend at least 30 minutes a day reading something, uh, that impacts our business and, and get, opens me up to, to new ideas. Um, currently right now I'm actually reading uh, a buddy of ours books. Um, Dan, um, uh, oh, Dan just name just went on my head. Um, he's, I'm not helping you. I know you're not. Cause he's, uh, he's listening. He is. Uh, and the name of the book is building dragons. Um, and, um, it talks about the difference between unicorn, which in the tech world is, you know, that one, that one, um, business that shoots through the roof and, and is, is incredibly profitable. Uh, but more than that, building the dragons that are in it for the long haul and can really be disruptive. Excellent. That's a very good point. If you uh, are interested in that, definitely check those out or, uh, shoot any one of us, but me, if you want, um, <laughs> Uh, a message and I will happily help send you some of that information. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, I think we're going to have to wrap there, but thank you so much for joining us. 
Jeremy, if people want to connect with you, learn more about residential tech today, where can they go and do that? Um, we are trying to build up our sub subscriptions right now for our bi-monthly print publication. So um, please go to restechtoday.com and subscribe to the magazine and um, check us out online. Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, Tim, if people want to connect with you, follow everything we do at Aviation. follow you bemoaning the blues, not playing well at hockey, nope. that hockey, where can, where can they do that? Uh, by the way, the, the guy's name is Dan Newman. Um, he, old, uh, old AV guy. He's totally going to shoot you. He's totally going to shoot me. Um, TD at Tim David Albright uh, on the Twitters. Excellent. Thank you again for joining us. For myself, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter. And more importantly, please take a moment to stop by avionation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.